Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed by the hosts of this program do not necessarily reflect those of WHP 580 or its advertisers. Any medical advice given by the host of Medical Matters is general and is not to take the place of the advisement of your doctor. Medical Matters is broadcast live from the L.B. Smith Ford Lincoln Studios at WHP 580. Good morning and welcome to Medical Matters. I'm Kelly McCormick, nurse practitioner, and I'm here with Dr. Peter Breyer. And Brett is off doing surgery where, this where morning. Where in the world is Brett alone? I know, anyway. he's in the OR this morning. <laughs> Bless well, his heart. That's right. Uh, so uh, it's a, well, we've uh, got a... We've got some good a, news in medicine today. We do. Uh, after we get past the soupiness of uh, this high humidity outside, um, we have uh, our news Okay, we've got uh, a big recall on jogging strollers, 217,000 jogging strollers issued by Pacific Cycle have been recalled because the front wheel becomes loose and uh, resulting in uh, crashing and falling and head injuries, bumps, bruises, abrasions, and lacerations. The uh, recall affects uh, safari cycles, Schwinn uh, jogging cycles, and uh, they don't really, they don't recommend bringing the cycle back to where you bought it. They recommend calling the manufacturer and getting a repair kit. In other words, there's a, a uh, an automatic release on the front wheel that can be repaired so that the wheel doesn't fall off, which is what's happening. But that's so a lot of cycles, 217 thousand jogging cycles that is for uh, so they want the consumer to to fix the issue consumer has to fix it himself with the repair kit so what i guess think? what kind of liability then is for on the consumer after they attempt to repair and what if they have difficulty doing that i don't know the repair kit includes a structure that uses a screw on and off method rather than the quick release method the products had and with new warning labels so I don't know. If I had one of those, uh, I'd sort of be reluctant to jog with my infant in the uh, stroller. But uh, I guess if you fix it and it's okay, you know. But it's a lot of recalls, 217,000. I'm sure there's some of them around here. So but, uh, uh, if you have one of those strollers or you know somebody who does, then uh, let them know. There's yep. a potential issue. Okay. And uh, we've got some big news on statins. Uh, we have a uh, uh, an article that showed that people with cancer who are on statins have a much lower risk of dying. And this was a study from the UK. And uh, people with lung cancer on statins had a 22% lower risk of dying from lung cancer, a 43% lower risk of dying from breast cancer, a 47% lower risk of dying from prostate cancer, and a 30% lower risk of dying from colon cancer. 
So these are people already with a cancer. cancer. That are on statins have a lower risk of dying. This study, they say, cannot prove that statins actually extended life in cancer patients. Although when I look at it, I mean, how could you come to any other conclusion, really? That I, that I don't know. Uh, and But he says, and this to me is, I don't know if it really makes sense. It says, people <clears throat> without high cholesterol should not be taking statins of hope and of warding off cancer or living longer with cancer. But when you look at those statistics, I mean, that's a lot lower risk, even though it's a relative risk. Uh, I don't know. They don't. They say do not take statins just because you have cancer. But uh, they studied eight thousand people with lung cancer, fifty five hundred with breast cancer, forty six hundred with prostate cancer, and forty five hundred with colon cancer. Uh, they adjusted for factors that might include a role in dying, such as age, gender, ethnicity, common causes of death. Uh, those taking statins lived longer than those who weren't. Mm. So. You know, again, it comes to me, why are people so afraid of taking statins? <laughs> I don't think in my whole career I've seen any, and I know you can read anecdotal reports of statins possibly causing Alzheimer's disease or uh, lack of memory. Okay, and but when you stop them, it's reversible. So I don't know why there's so much angst about people taking statins. But... I don't know. If I were had cancer, <laughs> you might consider taking I might a statin. Consider it, but uh, I can't really recommend so it because it's not. Did it say if these were people who had already been taking a statin for like any yes. other kind of cardiovascular issue, and that's you know that they didn't start yes. on a statin, but they had were on a statin and had developed a cancer? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't. There's not enough data or uh, information in this. Uh, the results the whole... were presented at the European Society of Cardiology meeting in Florence, Italy. Uh, one expert doesn't think there's sufficient evidence existing yet to take statins to prevent or treat cancer. But when you look at those, that's huge difference well, who knows? in death you know, rates. A year from now, it may be completely different. More study and... Well, more study is definitely indicated... Yeah. And you have another uh, article there on statins. I I do. Statins are in the news. Um, So this one is about uh, people who um, are more likely to take their statins uh, as they're supposed to after they've had a heart attack. Um, So what they did is looked at um, more than 175,000 people aged uh, older than 65 who had been given prescription for statins. They divided them into... um, three different groups um, that were hospitalized for heart attack and pneumonia and then weren't hospitalized at all. And then they said about a third of the heart attack patients had been skipping their statins at least 20% of the time compared to the non-adherent patients who'd been hospitalized for pneumonia. And then um, the previously non-adherent heart attack patients were 70% more likely to take their pills more regularly after they left the hospital. Um, well, I don't know how surprising that is, given the fact that if you have a heart attack, you might be scared to death. Yeah. And, you know, you might be more likely to take the drug that might prevent the next heart attack. Right. 
So, you know, I guess probably uh, the wake up call maybe before that happens to you is, you know, take your medications as directed um, rather than uh, skipping doses. And uh, well, one thing uh, about statins, about 15 percent of the population has a gene that makes it impossible or very difficult to take statins. There's no doubt that there are people who are unable to take statins because of side effects. The main point to be made, though, is that the it's reversible when you stop the statin. So I don't. I still can't understand why people are so afraid of taking statins. Uh, there's a lot of anecdotal reports out about this or that. There's the slight increase in diabetes. Um, there's the joint pains, and then there's people who have qualms about the uh, liver, which is always reversible if you stop it. They have qualms about the memory issues. And uh, no doubt some of those concerns are real. And it is a fact that some people are unable to take statins and they're not, it's not psychological. There's a physical problem taking them. But when you, if you stop them, all these things are reversible that I've seen. I've never seen anyone have, I I think I can think of one person uh, that developed a uh, neuropathy after taking a statin. And I, I, you can't really, prove cause and effect, but he's con- he's definitely convinced that he got a neuropathy from taking statins, and uh, actually it was a physician. So, uh, you know, that's the only person I can think of that a permanent problem from statins, and whether it was real or not can't be proven, so... So there are a lot of, lot of benefits, but we're up against a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the the violence that's been going on across the country and and some of the issues surrounding that. And callers, hang on. We'll get to your questions when we get back. This is Medical Matters on WHB 580. Let's get back to Medical Matters. To reach the hosts, call 540-0580. And we are back. Let's go to the phones. Hello, Al from Hummelstown. We've missed you. Oh, I was on last week. Yep. You are, wow. <laughs> oh, listen, I'll tell you what. I think I did a good service to the community because I said that wise markets sell the drugs identically at Walmart. Mm-hmm. So I go to my local this weekend in Hummelstown, and I asked them, did you hear it? She said people have been calling in. They heard about the, the announcement on radio, and now they're picking up customers because of that. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. That's great. I uh, I do believe that uh, you're absolutely right. The consumers, you know, are better off checking the prices and looking for these coupons like GoodRx. Right. And, Listen, uh, and also, I've had heart trouble for 15 years, and I've been taking statin every day, faithfully, for every, as long as I can remember, and I... And I, I, whether that helps me or not, I'm, I'm 86 years old. I take eight drugs a day, and I've never felt any better. There you go. And, uh, and one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. You asked me how much it cost me to, for drugs. Mm-hmm. It cost me $110 every three months. 
for my total drugs. So I think that's pretty good for eight drugs. I think so, eight too. Eight drugs, uh, certainly uh, more reasonable than a lot of drug costs. Well, Absolutely. that's why I, I hope I did it. Well, you know what they gave me that? They gave me a gift certificate for being their salesman. Well, there you go. All right. You can be, uh, you can be their yeah. spokesman. Well, I told them if, if you keep getting more sales, I expect more gift certificates. That's true. <laughs> we'll, well keep I, reminding people on the air, Well, Al, I think uh, the other thing. I, I thought it was the right thing to do. You yeah. know, a lot of people just sit back and, and then just the first person that tries to sell them something, they go ahead and do it. And there's so many good things out there. Can I tell you one more thing? Sure. Okay. I belong to a, it's, 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 well, Edna bought out Health America, Coventry, which is part of my, called, mine is called Adventure. Uh-huh. I pay nothing a month. Right, right? Nothing a month. Mm-hmm. Yet I heard a person on there some time ago, I don't know what, what insurance he had, but he was mad because he said his, his monthly pay was going up to $200 a month. Now I said to myself, Mr. You're in with the wrong company. Right, and uh, open enrollment is coming up in November, and people, again, need to compare. The, well, you know, the, I could uh, be a very, let me on there, I could, I could, I could, oh, well, I, mean, I, I, I think I, I really feel great that I did help some people out. Very good. Thanks well, a lot. Thanks, uh, we Al. We appreciate it. And, uh, I I have a, we we have our own little consumer advocate. Right. Well, I, I, I like to do that there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Al. Great. I, remember, I take eight drugs. They right. know. Yeah, a little of everything, but I never felt better. <laughs> You've got the right cocktail. That's right. You, 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 you are right. Yep. Thanks for <laughs> Have calling. Have a good day, Al. Okay, maybe. Have a little maybe. news okay. about Thanks. I'm glad you people are on there. I love your show. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks very much. I'm, your, I'm one of your best listeners. Great. We appreciate it, Al. <laughs> Thanks, Al. Uh, we've got uh, we have this little article about Aetna is going to buy Humana mm-hmm. Healthcare for $37 billion. And become the largest insurance uh, provider provider in the country. Uh, Aetna said it would buy small arrival Humana for $37 billion in cash and stock in the largest ever deal in the insurance industry. The concerning thing for me about it is, is they have $37 billion to in, uh, well, in purchase. certain states. They would have an 88% market share in Kansas, an 80% share in West Virginia, 58% in Iowa, and 51% in Missouri. And I think anything over even 30% gives them an unfair advantage in the marketplace. They can really muscle into hospitals and physicians uh, to... And patients. And patients to... uh, (laughs) compromise care for them to make more profits. And I think no insurer should have more than 30% of a health care market. I mean, just my opinion. Yeah, well, and I, I, don't I think, think the question is having that kind of money to, to purchase another company, to me, says, you know, well, how, why are insurance premiums continuing to rise? How do they have all of this available cash or and st- you know, to to purchase when right. you know people dollars. are struggling to make ends meet and having to worry about paying for their health care. Um, something's not right with well, that. Well, these Medicare Advantage plans are subsidized by the federal government. Remember, they're they're the traditional Medicare is run by the government. Mm-hmm. The Advantage plans are run by private insurance, insurance companies. companies. And they get subsidies from the government. So I don't know. I'm not in favor of these 
huge insurance mergers. I don't think they do anything for competition. I would agree to open the market nationally to all insurance companies to compete across state lines. I think it will improve competition and in the final analysis benefit patients. Absolutely. And that's the important thing. All right. Well, we got a call, so let's go to uh, Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are you? All pretty good for an old guy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a regular listener, and I wanted to call last week, but I was it was kind of late till I got to the phone about your discussion on GMO crops. Yes. Uh, I worked as a food and agricultural inspector for about 24 years initially with uh, USDA, FSIS, and then later on with CMI and some marketing companies. The consumer concern on GMO crops has less to do with human consumption than it does to do with the effect on pollinators. Because the pesticides, which are mostly herbicides that are used, get up into the plant, get into the flower, and of course get into the pollen. Uh, this right now, well, as of April 2016, Maryland banned neonicotinoids because of that reason. Roundup and Roundup Plus are now under a certain amount of scrutiny. And uh, considering that about one-third of our crops depend on uh, pollinators to produce fruit, vegetables, etc., that's the large part of the concern of why people and consumers are going in that direction, looking for labels, marking it whether it's GMO crops or not. Speaking of pollinators, uh, do you think this is related to the problem with not enough bees uh, to pollinate plants? Well, funny you should ask because I've done two bee surveys this spring. One when the peach blossoms were out, and then one about two weeks ago. I was shocked in two or three hours uh, on the first survey. I think we found uh, seven or eight bees, which I was taking pictures of. And then in the second survey, I think I found maybe eight or nine. Um, Of course, uh, initially they were thinking this was brain mites, which are still, I think, part of the problem. (laughs) Excuse me, but it looks like now, uh, because other pollinators like monarch butterflies, uh, I haven't seen any at all this year. And uh, monarch butterflies, uh, part of their problem is they depend largely on milkweed. That's where they lay their eggs, and that's what caterpillars eat, etc. And everybody's out there busy spraying it, you know, to get rid of it. Although the Navy depot over near Mechanicsburg apparently has planted a whole lot of it, you know, in order to try to uh, circumvent this problem. So, so they're need- trying to attract... Well, attract and give them a place to, because if you study the, the history of the monarchs, when they when they come up from Mexico in the spring, they make about three or four stops before they get to our area, lay eggs, and a new generation comes. But when they go back, they go back all on one trip. So, you know, they've got some challenges, and of course, then you have bees or birds. It's it's the birds, bees, and, and uh, butterfly syndrome here that the GMO crops have... Basically, the the pesticides that are using, of course, doesn't affect them, but it still gets into the flowers and gets into the pollen, mm-hmm. and it looks like there's more than a little bit of evidence here the last two years. And then you got to consider something else, too, because we worked very closely with FDA. You can market some of these products for up to three years before you get complete approval, and then at that time, you know, FDA decides whether or not to, you, know, you can allow it to be on the market or not, unless you want to put out a little bit more jingle. Mm-hmm. And get an extension. <laughs> Let me see if I can if I can paraphrase some of what you're saying. You saying that the GMO problem may be more related to changing the food chain than actually affecting an individual, uh, you know, poorly by eating it. Is that you're by consumption? Close. Yes. Yeah, you're pretty close. Yeah. Uh, I th- and that's what most people 
I mean, who's kidding who, at least what I've seen in the markets, is most of the people that are looking for non-GMO or organic or whatever are people that are doing a little bit of homework. Not everybody, but a lot of them are just doing more homework on this, and they're seeing this as having a potential cataclysmic uh, effect down the road a few years. Because uh-huh. like I say, you know, uh, when you look at the water problems out west, I mean, there's a whole lot of other things here all connected with each other, where food could become a real issue here in about two to three years, depending on the certain circumstances. Uh, what do you think about uh, the hydrophonic, the boom in hydrophonics that, uh, you know, may circumvent pesticides and if they grow food indoors? Uh, yes, I've tested some of that in the past. Uh, actually, I think it's a good idea. Uh, the only thing is most of the, uh, and tomatoes comes to mind very quickly. Right. Uh, is uh, the taste is a little bit less than what you normally would expect. But a lot of that's because of the new, uh, kind of like apples and peaches and a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. The the market, and you got to consider just one little factor, it's totally overlooked. In 1950, 75% of the population in the United States lived in a rural area. Now it's the other way around. So aesthetics have become a very big part of marketing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, so most of the people that are going to Stewart, they see a minor blemish. Like I think you guys were talking last week a little bit about uh, the marmorated stink bug. They did very little damage to the fruit itself, but it left a little mark where they were piercing it, you know, to suck juices out of it. Mm-hmm. And consumers nowadays, you know, that really are not familiar with crops in the field, uh, and there's a whole other lot of regulation. And this is driven largely less by the government than it is these huge corporations like Walmart and some of your other big stores that are, have gotten big into the produce markets in the last 10 years. So there's a lot of different angles to look at here. So the educated, I'm going to use that term loosely, the educated consumer is looking at, well, what can I buy here that is going to have a positive effect down the road here a few years and where we may or may not be? Because if we lose the bees here, uh, and I've talked to two beekeepers just in the last uh, three, four months, They've lost, totally lost their bees in the fall the last two years, and they've given up. That's pretty scary That uh, because bees are definitely uh, needed for the food chain and for flowers. and I mean, it's sort of scary, but we don't really understand why the bee population is shrinking. So, I mean, there's theories, but do we really know why? Well, there's, there's a few little things I can throw out here. One— Mike. Yeah, I'm my, sorry to interrupt. Can, we we need to go to a break. break. Can we catch back up to you after the break? Sure. Absolutely. Hang on. on. And um, for those of you that are listening, hang on. We'll listen to a little bit more to Mike when when we come back from this commercial break. You're listening to WHP 580 Medical Matters. Let's get back to Medical Matters on WHP 580. You can send questions or comments to the hosts by email, medicalmatters at whhp580.com. And we are back. Mike, are you with us still? Yes, yes I'm right. still here. So, we want to ask you a couple of I, questions. Yeah, because we were talking about during the break. So can you tell us the difference between like a honeybee, a bumblebee, and a wasp? And do they all play a part in the whole pollinating thing? 
Well, bumblebees do as well as, as honeybees, but they're much bigger, of course. And there's two species, uh, layman's terms. One's a white-headed bumblebee, which does not have a stinger. And then there's the black-headed bumblebees. Some of the wasp and some of the solitary bees, bees can be pollinators as well. Uh, one thing most people don't realize is that honeybees that are commercially used are not native here. Uh, neither is the fruit, most of the fruit. The apples are not native to the United States either. And when I'm teaching some classes next week on invasive species, and of course this is something that always comes up because I don't consider either one invasive species. Uh, most invasive species are not native here, but they don't fall into that category because they don't really do any damage. But one plant that does, and it's the first food for honeybees, is dandelions, and they're not native here as well. And when I was much younger and teenager, you know, that stuff grew in everybody's lawns. Of course, now everybody's trying to eradicate it and make their their lawn look a, like a golf course. And even in one of the fields that I surveyed in uh, back when the peach blossoms were out was full of, of dandelions, and that's their first food, you know, in the spring. But I, I saw see. very few honeybees there, very few. Like I say, I only found seven or eight about three hours, and I did get some good pictures of them flying. It took a little work, but... Uh, it's, the scrutiny here be, behind all this is we know neonicotinoids are affecting bees. It will kill the bees if, if they get enough of it, and that's why Maryland banned it. Uh, Roundup, especially, and see, one of the tricky things the chemical companies do, and I can give you a whole bunch of examples of this, is when something is banned, a lot of times they'll slightly change the formula and, sl and change the name slightly. And here again, you get into the same... Uh, circle here where they, they can use this stuff until the FDA either says it's uh, either needs to be banned or gives it approval one or the other. There was a lot of mercury-based stuff used for years and years, which been, has been uh, used. Now it's been instead of that they're using uh, stuff now which I won't use the commercial name because some of the people I inspected for <laughs> used a lot of this. Well, three years after it was on the market, then they found and it was much much cleaner and more environmental friendly than mercury-based stuff. But now, supposedly, it's a carcinogen. It's not expected to be a carcinogen. Well, that's the jury's still out or not. We don't know for sure. But there's an awful lot of pesticides being used, and this, this regimen changes on a regular basis because, like antibiotics, the, the weeds will develop a uh, certain amount of uh, – it just, it's just not as effective on them anymore. And, and even the pests, some of the insect pests that they're trying to control, et cetera. And when DDT was outlawed, I was in high school then – uh, they came up with a whole new regimen that would kill everything. TEP was one of them, T-E-P-P. -P. It would mm -hmm. kill everything for three days, but after three days it was gone. And see, the problem with DDT was it wasn't that particularly strong, but it had a half-life of seven years. So that meant if you were putting it on every year, you get this residual buildup after all these years that, well, bingo, we know what happened there. You just wonder what, you know, the accumulative effect of our um, manipulating a natural environment is eventually going to lead to, uh, I, you, I, you know, no one knows. I mean, That's the and thing. some level is some of it just kind of gone that way because of consumer of what consumer driven. What does the consumer want? You know, like you said, we were saying during the break. You know, you go to the to the supermarket yep. and you look and, and you I'm say, guilty of "This I like I, looking at a perfect yeah, looking apple. This apple, <laughs> this this." peach this whatever and you have like a certain expectation of what you want that piece of fruit to look like yes and you've maybe seen that picture in a book somewhere yeah as opposed to maybe actually what is best for us to to take into our bodies 
Well, earlier we mentioned tomatoes, and one of the, the varieties that comes to mind very quickly with me was, and it was a mainstay for years and years, was Big Boy, the original Big Boy. Mm-hmm. They were ugly. They were subject to having you know, minor flaws here and there, but they were one of the best-tasting tomatoes taste you could good. ever eat in your life. I have taken notice because I, I have a tentative appointment with one of the cider people up here uh, I ran into the other day, and uh, he was telling me that most of the – because this is something else most people don't know – is they're actually going back to the old heirloom varieties like Northern Spy and Smokehouse because they have better flavor. The problem with a lot of those varieties, and Northern Spy comes to mind very quickly, is it takes about 12 to 15 years before that particular variety comes to full maturity. The bulk of the apples that are being grown now comes to full, with the semi-dwarf trees comes to full maturity in about three to five years. The significance mm-hmm. of this is when we had the, the uh, peach problem here with uh, plum pots a few years ago, was that a lot of guys pushed them out. They're totally out of the peach business all the other because they just didn't want to deal with it. Uh, and when they replaced it, they replaced it with apple varieties that mature in three to five years. So that way, if the market goes south like it did with Granny Smith's, they can push it out and replace it. They've already harvested the bulk of the crop that they're going to get. So there's a whole lot of different rules now in agriculture than there was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Right. They, the, the encouraging thing is when you look at some of these guys that's going back to the old heirloom varieties on things because of taste, quality, mouthfeel, et cetera, uh, that's, I, I consider that a good thing. My concern is, uh, going back to the pollinators on this, is if we don't have pollinators, I mean, you can depend on wind pollination, but if you have a wet spring with very little air, you're not going to get much because the, the bee pollination it usually runs from about a quarter to over a third uh, of, the, of the crops as far as whether they're being pollinated or not. Right. Uh, another thing they do in a lot of the orchards, they'll plant what's called pollinator trees like banana apples or even crab apples, which have not very much food value. But they're very good pollinators because Red Delicious, for example, which is one of your number one crops, cannot self-pollinate. Gold Delicious can, but most apples can't. So, you know, here again, this comes back to the birds, bees, and butterflies as to, you know, they're the the link in the chain here and the weak link right now because if we lose those, we could be in serious trouble. Then when you consider a third of the food is being wasted before it ever even gets to market for a variety of different reasons – uh, yeah, and there, there's some focus on that right now, which is encouraging, and it's mostly from younger people. I went back into education about four years ago, and it's encouraging working with with the outdoor schools. What some of these kids are thinking about: where are we going to be at ten, twenty, thirty years from now on this sort of subjects? Yeah. Well, well, thanks for your call. We really yeah. appreciate it. it's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, I didn't mean to get too much into this. That's okay. About this. Uh, you know, you know, these kinds of things that affects us and health. and what we think we're putting into our body and you well, know may not always be the best there, which which is really interesting but I, I noticed your focus was largely on what the human impact might be and i thought well that's not really the issue here the issue is what's what's going to happen with those keys and or those cha- links in the chain there and, and then specifically the pollinators and right now be honest with you, it doesn't look real good uh, whether that's going to change or not i don't know i really well, don't know well, we can, we can only hope. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for your time. Appreciate Thanks. it. Have a good day. You too. Mm-hmm. Bye. Well, very interesting. Uh, maybe the plant doctor will have more comments yeah. on this in his show. So uh, let's let's go to Joe quick. Okay. Hi, Joe. Joe? Joe? Are you there? Joe? Hi. Uh, Hi. I read in a magazine, I don't remember where, uh, where people can uh, 
use the codes on produce when they're buying buying them to decide if they're GMO or not. It's called the PLU uh, code sticker on the produce. Uh huh. Yeah, there is a PLU sticker on the on the fruit. Yeah, uh, a four-digit number starting with 304 uh, is conventional produce. Organic uses a five-digit number starting with the number nine. And uh, GMO uses a five-digit number starting with number eight. That's a very interesting. Thank you. Uh, We appreciate that. Yeah, and also with milk. Uh, Milk that is in opaque containers tends to lose... uh, the effectiveness of vitamin A and vitamin C and such has been added to it mm-hmm. rather than a uh, container that does not allow light to penetrate. Okay. So uh, those Very are good things for our uh, listeners to know. Thanks, yeah, Joe. We appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. Thanks. Um, we're, we're up against a break. Okay. Can we catch your thought after? And then we have yes. some callers waiting. So okay. uh, you're listening to Medical Matters on WHP 580. Don't forget, you can listen to Medical Matters at any time by going to whp580.com and listening to the podcast. And we are back. All right, let's go to the phones. Hi, Rick. Hey, uh, Peter and Kelly. Good morning. How are you guys? Hey, good. Hi, Rick. <laughs> hey, I, I wanted to talk about, you were talking about Aetna earlier, and I think Joe was on, and uh, something that a lot of consumers don't think about when they're picking Medicare plans or either insurance plans in general you know, he said he didn't pay anything out of pocket, and he was very happy for that. But a lot of times, even though you don't pay anything out of pocket, there are other costs long-term that they need to think about. And one of the things that I've always encountered, and unfortunately, especially with Aetna, is patients who are complexly ill, and they have to go to a, a different level of care after they get discharged from the hospital, and they get denied. That's and very true. Uh, yeah. He has an advantage plan. He's paying less up front. That's Al. But they have, yeah, Al does. But there's certain disadvantages to that that may occur and could occur to him. Uh, One is, uh, like you said, post-hospital care. He may be steered into a nursing home rather than a more expensive kind of care. Uh, If he goes out of state, he may be in trouble. Uh, Certain drugs won't be covered. So there are, it's not all positive to be in a plan like that. Now, and my experience with Aetna, from a clinical standpoint, has been uh, it, they, they almost always balk at patients going to LTAC here. You almost always have to uh, appeal their, their initial decision. It's very Sometimes true. More, and, more than once. And Aetna is not alone in that. Uh, a lot of the uh, plans. Advantage type uh, plans. Advantage plans. Uh, or the Medicare product plans. Freedom Blue comes to mind. Deny. Admissions to LTACs, which are long-term, which are actually hospitals and have provide a higher level of care than nursing homes do for certain patients. But a lot of them end up in nursing homes rather than a higher level of care. So how about, Rick, with your experience in, like, critical care and you have somebody who has been intubated, now they end up with a tracheostomy tube, and then they need continuing to try to wean them off the ventilator, if that's even possible, and they have that type of plan, do they still deny it? Because then where does this individual go? Well, that would be higher level than a nurse. I mean, a nursing home, for the most part, now there is one in in the area that can provide that level of care. But for the most part, nursing homes cannot provide that level of care to people. 
Right, but I'm saying something like the LTAC, does that individual still get denied at like the LTAC level and then have to go to something like what we have in the areas like Fox? You mean like they're still on the ventilator? Right. I've seen that happen rarely. It doesn't happen as much as it used to. Uh, It's more the intermediate patients, let's say, that you've got a wound vac on or you need IV antibiotics and wound care. Yeah, absolutely. They end up in nursing homes a lot of them. Right. They go to nursing homes, and a lot of times we see them bounce back in a week or two because they just haven't gotten the care that they they needed to get. Well, because their care is still too complicated for that level of care. And one thing about LTACs is uh, that a lot of uh, providers don't do uh, is that when you're discharged from the hospital, if you're still having problems, rather than putting you back in acute care, you could be sent to an LTAC uh, or a different level of care than having to go back into the hospital if you're still having problems. But... uh, it's a lot, but it's difficult to get people into that setting. Uh, I've had problems with people who had falls and fractured backs and couldn't walk and this kind of thing. They really need rehab, but it's it's difficult to get somebody in right away, and they end up in the acute care hospital because the they don't get the insurance authorization and time, and, and their time runs out. Uh, and they're home alone or something, and so they end up in an, in acute well, care. Well, part part of that is too. I. I'm assuming is driven by that in order for, you know, if it's somebody's elderly and they're a Medicare patient, that Medicare says they have to be in the hospital for three midnights or whatever it to is. To go to a nursing home. To go to a nurse, to yeah. a rehab but facility. Not, but not to go to, no, not to go to rehab, okay. acute rehab, and not to go to an LTAC. You don't, the three-day rule doesn't apply. It only applies to going to a, to sniff. a sniff, a Skilled nursing home. nursing facility in a nursing right. home, but a subacute if, rehab. Right. If you're free Medicare, it's, it, it's a no-brainer, and you, you can go without jumping through a bunch of hoops. But if you're one of these managed care plans, um, they're the ones where it becomes more difficult. Absolutely, and they're a mixed blessing, to say the least. Uh, they have they some good points, like Al was pointing out, and they have bad points as well. Uh, so well, it's think, up to the consumer to beware. Right. Well, I think it's one of those things, too. I don't think when you're not really in the position that you may have kind of multiple chronic type issues, you know, your COPD, your heart disease, your diabetes, that kind of thing. But until you really have kind of a catastrophic event that puts you in that situation, then you don't really know about these other things going on with how the insurance is driven and, and what they will cover and what they won't cover until you're actually put into that position. And, and then, of course, I would think then you're all upset. Well, why can't I go there? And, and another point to be made about this healthcare system we have is some people like Al are getting great benefits and don't pay anything. And then there's people who have so many non-covered services they can't afford. I had a patient this week that the insurance company denied insulin paying insulin and this guy would have to pay sixteen hundred dollars or some ungodly figure a month for insulin and they denied his insulin i mean the insurance companies are getting out of control that i i consider like almost criminal behavior how could you deny insulin to a patient i mean yeah who's diabetic i mean i don't understand that and uh i i just luckily i had a lot of samples for this guy uh, from the drug company, uh, I'll, I'll have to give them that. They give samples out. Right. But I guess the other thing is to refer him to, they probably have a, a program based on somebody's income about covering. But still, again, why is the insurance company denying something that for people is 
life altering. I mean, right. you can't go. And of course, this was an advantage plan. Crazy Rick, blood as you're saying it wasn't a now, traditional Medicare. I don't think Part D would ever deny uh, insulin. insulin to anyone. But this advantage plan, you know, denied. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was an unusual kind of insulin. It was a, a mixture of two different kinds of insulin together. And it's not really commonly used, but this particular person needs that kind of insulin because right. of his own problems. And, it, you know, I'm sure it can be appealed and maybe it would go through eventually, but this man is, you know, really out of sorts about not being able to get insulin. So, again, it's a really mixed bag. Some people are getting great coverage. Others are in trouble. Rick, thanks for your call. Thanks for your call, Rick. Take care. Thanks. All you right. Know. We have we have one more call. Let's okay, go to let's it. Okay, let's take it. Hi, Della. Hi. Thank you for taking my sure. call. Sure. I want to ask you a question about cholesterol. Sure. Okay. My husband is on cholesterol medication, and his cholesterol is perfect. I mean, perfect. He's a skinny man. He doesn't have fat on his bones. I mean, he's a picture of health. But my problem is every day he eats a hard-boiled egg. Okay, we've only got about 30 seconds. Okay, and on Sundays he eats four eggs. So is that is that healthy? Well, the answer to your question is yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He takes a statin, so he's lowering his cholesterol by doing that. His diet is not optimal with the uh, number of eggs he's eating. Although I think the risk of eggs is overrated. Can, can, and, and I think the question is, risky. can he eat it without the yolk? Right, that's another now thing. He, the yolks. Yeah, he eats the yolk right. for the protein. Well, so you if need his cholesterol is perfect, I think he's okay. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, thank Stella. Bye-bye. Have a great, happy, safe, healthy weekend, everybody. See you next Saturday, 8 to 9. Medical Matters. Thanks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.